Let me begin in verse 32. The Bible says, This Jesus hath raised uh, God, hath God raised up whereof we all are witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God, exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this which ye now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy uh, foes thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You may be seated. Boy, what a powerful question we have here. He says, men and brethren, what shall we do? I don't know about you, but there are times where I've been posed questions in my life, and I really don't have an answer. And so these folks that had just heard this preaching from Jesus, or from Peter, Jesus Christ had already ascended into heaven. Uh, and so now here are these apostles that are still here. And uh, Peter is at the day of Pentecost, is what we call it. And he begins preaching this truth about this man named Jesus Christ. And a part of the message is, is that, look, you all crucified the one who can save you from an eternal hell. And, and so he then poses a question to him after he preaches the message of Jesus Christ to them, crucified and risen again, he preaches this message unto them. And then, in turn, he turns to them and says, now, uh, these people are all standing around hearing this message. They say, men and brethren, what shall we do? What are we going to do about what we've just heard? You know, sometimes we hear things. How many of you have heard something and it took you a second before it registered in your mind what was just said? I'll challenge you in a thought. I remember uh, when uh, years ago I was uh, at Westmoreland Independent Baptist Church in Colonial Beach, Virginia, and we were having a family week. And during that family week, uh, there was a woman and her husband, and they were wonderful servants in the church. And, and I remember that afternoon receiving a phone call and in that phone call, in the course of that phone call, the daughter had called me and said, I want you to know mom was killed this afternoon in a car accident. And I said, say it again. How many of you have ever had that happen to you where you got message and you said, man, you got to say it again. Tell me what you just said. And she was weeping and she was crying and she was trying to tell me what happened to her mother. And I said, say it again. Tell me again. And the reason is, is because it doesn't really register sometimes. Are you with me? How many of you have gotten a message and it doesn't register right away? So these folks, they hear this message. And they said, men and brother, what should we do about all this that we've heard? And so when you look to the scriptures, when the church of God's people have all things in common, it brings with it a unity of the spirit and God and the power of God is able to manifest itself among people. And so here's these saved people now preaching to these people that know nothing about Jesus Christ and here it is, they're standing there, and they hear this message for the first time, and they say, what do we do about this? What do we do about what we've just heard? What do we do with this message that we've just heard? And what a powerful message preached unto the Jews by Peter, bringing them to the knowledge and understanding of who Jesus Christ is and what he's done. And certainly when he preached, this brought conviction. And I believe that God the Holy Spirit convicts the soul because our soul is in one condition or the other. You're either saved or you're unsaved. In other words, heaven is your home or you're uncertain about it and don't know. And the only way to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, there are religions out there that will teach all kinds of things, but I challenge you, read your Bible. 
Read your Bible. When you read your Bible, you can't help but see that Jesus Christ died and rose again the third day, that you might have a union with Christ and, and, and God. He reconciled us back unto the Lord himself, and how he did this was he shed his blood on the cross at Calvary for you and for me. And then the Bible teaches us in 1 John that we now have an advocate between us and the Father. We have someone on our team, on our side, and his name is Jesus Christ. Peter was quick to respond to the question, and this is the answer to the lost soul that's separated from God. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Look at what he said. In verse 37, it says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And then Peter said unto them, Repent and be what? You have to repent. Now let me tell you what repentance is. Repentance is a turning from and unto something. And so if you're headed in a wrong direction, and I tell you to repent, I'm telling you to not only turn from what you're doing, but turn unto another direction. And so whenever he told them repent and be baptized, he's saying turn from the way you've been worshiping or turn from the way that you've been living, and I want you to turn from that, and I want you to turn unto Christ. And then he said be baptized. By the way, baptism does not take any soul to heaven. <laughs> baptism does not take a soul to heaven. A soul must trust Jesus Christ as Savior. There's nowhere in this Bible can you find that you have to be baptized to go to heaven. Baptism is what you do because you are saved. Amen? Amen. So when you read the scriptures, you need to invest some time in what you're actually reading and see what God has to say about salvation. So Peter quickly answers the question, and with this question in mind, I share with you, men and brethren, what shall we do? Now, for those of us that are saved in here, I want to challenge us this way. Men and brethren, what should we do about a world that is lost to sin? What should we do about that? And the thing of it is, is do you know enough about the Scriptures to be able to teach someone how to get to heaven? Can you show them from the Scriptures who Jesus Christ really is and what he did on the cross at Calvary for you? And then those of you that may be here this morning, you say, Preacher, I just don't even know if heaven is my home. I, I'm not sure if I died today, if I would go to heaven. I want to challenge you that before you leave this auditorium this morning, we have folks who can open up the Bible and show you how you can know for sure how heaven can be your home. Now, here's the thing. All of us ought to be prepared to talk with others about their eternal state, knowing at times, sometimes they can bring forth anger. When you're challenging somebody about where they're going to spend eternity, sometimes it angers them. It upsets them, but that should never change the fact that we need to speak to them about their eternal state. Here's what we need to realize. The only remedy is the plan designed by God through Christ Jesus. So the only solution to our sin and the only remedy to our sin condition is that, first of all, you have to recognize Jesus. And in this case, that Jesus is both Lord and Savior. He's both Christ. He's Lord. And when you say that Jesus is Lord, you're saying he's now the master of my life. Christ is the one who sits on the right hand of the Father, and we acknowledge the fact that he's there and that he has now given us opportunity to be reconciled. Second thing is this. Not only do you acknowledge that, but listen, these people were pricked in their hearts. <laughs> Something happened. Something began to happen inside their mind. When he says heart, we're not talking about the physical uh, uh, organ that's in the body pumping the blood through the body. He's saying they were pricked in their hearts in their thinking and what was happening inside of them, they began to realize something's different here. This message that's being brought is very different than any message that I've ever heard. And so when it says they were pricked in their hearts, it affected them internally, not just some external thing that happened in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, but the crucifixion of Jesus Christ began to cause something to happen inside the person. 
And so there was a change in thinking. And Peter said, let me tell you what the remedy is now. He said, not only recognize him as Jesus, but recognize him as Lord in Christ. Amen? Not just the man, but the man Christ Jesus. Amen? And then secondly, the idea is this. He said, listen, something will happen to you. And believe me, folks, on October 12, 1995, I prayed and asked Jesus Christ to save my soul. Something happened to me. Something changed me. I was going in one direction, and God turned my direction in another way. I never anticipated being a preacher. I was in the business world, and God got a hold of my heart one day. And when he got a hold of my heart, he turned me from that and unto him. And now you say, well, everybody that gets turned to Christ, they become a preacher. No, but that was God's intent with my life. And things begin to change. You know, the thing about, the wonderful thing about being saved (laughs) is I don't have to be concerned what happens to me when I leave this earth. Amen. (laughs) I know I have an eternal place in heaven. And listen, it's because of what he did on the cross at Calvary for me. I challenge you with this. Jesus, both Lord and Christ. If you look at verse 36, he said, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, I want to tell you, if you think preaching is hard, that's a hard preaching, man. He's standing there talking to the people who just put Jesus Christ to death, and he's saying to them, I just want you to be assured that the person that you crucified, the one that you put to death, is the one who will save you for all eternity. He's both Lord and Christ, isn't he? And so he became the master. And so here's the thing. For those who trusted Christ to take their soul to heaven, listen, folks, it is not religion. Religion will not take you to heaven. Baptism will not take you to heaven. Uh, Taking communion this morning when we do will not take you to heaven. Uh, uh, Having your name on a church roll will not take you to heaven. The one thing that will take you to heaven is Jesus, Lord and Christ. That's what takes you to heaven. And it's your faith in what he did on the cross at Calvary. And there is no other way to enter into heaven. Man may want his ways. Man may think there's another way. And there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There's but one way to get to heaven. His name is Jesus Christ. When I look at this through our salvation or through salvation in Christ, there's a relationship established. You know, I share this a lot. I, I love my wife dearly, and, and there was a time where we came together and we met, and there was a union made when I was standing in a church service, and, and we came together as husband and wife, and we're, we were united in marriage. <laughs> it's a wonderful day. And when I think about that particular day, September 15, 1990, it never goes away in my mind. And God brought a union together. <laughs> but do you know another date that's very significant in my mind? October 12, 1995. On that day, I got married to Jesus. <laughs> and a union was created. And when that union was created, no one can now separate that union between me and my Savior And I know Jesus Christ is my Savior today. Salvation is mine in Christ Jesus. This is accomplished by acknowledging the truth of God's Word and accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. This Jesus who was crucified as both Lord and Christ, so in salvation, trusting Christ to take your soul to heaven when you die is recognizing the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Now listen, I know, uh, and I'm not trying to be offensive at all, the Word of God is offensive in and of itself. It can offend. Babies... Don't get baptized and go to heaven. You don't baptize infants and then you think that they're on their way to heaven because you baptized them. 
But I do believe that every human being comes to a place of recognition. You say, if an infant dies, they don't have the ability to recognize Christ as Savior. I believe our God is so merciful that he'll uh, bring that child up into heaven with him. But here's the thing. There comes a time in every human being's life that they're going to get confronted with this message that I'm bringing to you this morning. And that confrontation is, is what's going to happen to your soul when you part this earth? Now, maybe it doesn't matter to you right now, and you say, well, I'm too young. I, I'm not really concerned about that, or I'm too old, or I'm too busy, or I've got other things. Listen, I've even heard people say, I'm not into organized religion. Then you're not into Jesus because Jesus organized it. Amen? Right. He's the one that put it together. He's the one that put the local New Testament church together. If you're not into the local New Testament church, if you're not into understanding the preaching and the teaching of God's Word, if you're not into that, then I'm here to tell you you're not into Christ. <laughs> because you want to keep yourself separated from what He died for. And the Bible says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it. Amen? Amen. He gave Himself for this local assembly of believers that are in here right here this morning. As I look at this, an infant cannot make this kind of conscious decision. And there's a time in every person's life that they'll be confronted with the truth. Let me give you this, Romans 10, 9 and 10. The Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. God tells us there's a time of confession. In other words, I agree with God. And what this particular passage teaches us, he says, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, we just heard that Jesus is both Lord and what? Christ, amen? When I recognize him as Lord, I'm saying now, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, he's now the master of my life. Now here's the second part of that. And shalt believe in thine heart. It's not the physical uh, organ that's in my body pumping the blood. It is that I believe that Christ did this for me. I'm trusting God for what Christ did. Now I look to the scriptures in Romans 1.20. He said, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen by and being understood by the things that are made, even the eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. And I'm telling you right now, as the gospel goes out this morning, there's not a single solitary soul in this auditorium that is going to be without excuse. You cannot make up anything. You cannot come with an excuse and say, well, Lord, I didn't know. I'm telling you this morning, the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. <laughs> I can't be any more clear, can I? So you'll be without excuse. You can't go to God and say, well, I just didn't know. I, I, I've never heard that before, Lord. And God's telling you this morning through the preaching of his word, there is but one way to heaven, and it's through Jesus Christ. As I challenge you with this, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye crucified, both Lord and Christ. Man or woman, you have a conscious decision to trust Christ as Savior. Listen, an infant may be incapable, but there may be people that are physically incapable of doing this. I believe God shows his mercy on those, but I do believe that anyone that is in a conscious state and has an ability to understand what I'm saying to you this morning, you have a choice to make, and that choice is Jesus Christ. Now, being baptized into a religion does not make, take your soul to heaven, and we can't find that in the Scriptures. You're challenged to search the Scriptures, and that's what I'm challenging you to do this morning. You can challenge anything that I'm talking to you about, and I can show you according to the Scriptures that it's truth. 
So you either come to the conclusion that this is not the Word of God and I do not believe it, or this is the Word of God and I do believe it. And the fact is, is in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, did he not? He's the one that gave us this book. This is his love letter to us, and he tells us how to reconcile our relationship with him. He tells us what we need to do. Acts 17. Acts 17, 11, and 12. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, and that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, also of honorable women, which were Greeks, and of men, not a few. So when you read that passage, it says, these folks over here, these Bereans, they were studying the Word of God. And, and here's the thing, you know, with my family, uh, some of my family think I'm a fanatic. And whenever you shorten that word, fanatic means what? A fan, doesn't it? Well, I want to tell you, I'm a fan of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Amen? And if I'm going to be a fanatic about anything, I want to be a fanatic about Jesus Christ. I went to a Penguins game not long ago with my brother, and I went down to the Penguins game, and they were playing the Blue Jackets. <laughs> now, uh, Brother Darrell, I have not painted my face ever when I came in here. You haven't seen me paint my face or anything, have you? No. You want to talk about fanatics? Go down to the Penguins game, and people have it painted on their face and numbers on their face of the jerseys that people are wearing. Now, my family goes to those things and thinks, man, wasn't that cool? Did you see everybody, how they were all painted up? But I'm the crazy one. Because I put a suit on on Sunday mornings to go preach the Word of God. I'm the naughty one. And I'm thinking, did you see those people? And I mean, they would scream and cheer in church, you know, if you say amen, everybody's like, oh, no. But you go to a stadium and they rock it like this, amen? And they're standing there like this and, oh, and you're like, we're going back to caveman days. <laughs> and some of them look like it, amen? <laughs> and you think about how they behave when you go to a stadium. People are nuts. <laughs> and I'm the fanatic. And you know what? <laughs> I'd rather be a fan of Jesus amen. than I would be of the six-time Super Bowl champions, the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> Just had to let you know that. Just thrown it in there. That was for Joe's sake. Footnote right here, brother. No. And the thing of it is, is just consider today, where are you in your relationship? Is he both Lord and Christ to you? Think about it today. Is he Lord and Christ to you? See, this is the message Peter's uh, trying to preach them. So, men and brethren, what shall we do? Well, I say to those that are saved, let's be able to teach people what I'm sharing with you right now. Secondly, I want you to get a hold of this. That if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, don't leave here not knowing. We have a number of folks who can open up the Bible and show you what it means to go to heaven. So what happened to these folks? So he says in verse 36, he said, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now look at verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? You know, when truth is told, it has an effect on the inward parts of man. It will cause an action or a reaction. 
And, you know, through the years, I've just watched God save so many different people from so many different backgrounds and so many different cultures. And, you know, I've had the opportunity to go to the Dominican Republic, and I've had the opportunity to go to Honduras, and I've been in Germany and Austria and, and Switzerland, and I've been to all these places, and everywhere I go, this gospel is being preached, and people are getting saved. Amen? Amen. And everywhere I go, they're getting saved. And right here in Minster, Ohio, this morning, I'm telling you, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, allow the Word of God to do what it says here. And they were pricked in their hearts. And so Peter is preaching, and he brought this group to a place of decision. And every man or woman or child needs to know Christ. And when confronted by truth, it will cause them to make a decision. And here the people were confronted with the truth about Jesus, our Lord, our Savior. It states they were pricked in their heart. Now this, this, this phrase, pricked in their heart, it means that they were pierced through thoroughly. They were pierced through thoroughly. You know, uh, my daughter's a phlebotomist, and one of the things pastor hates is needles, man. I, I, I'm telling you, and I can't stand them. And, and in fact, when my son Michael was being born, uh, we go into the hospital, and as we go into the hospital, they're all coming into the room real quick, and they say to my wife, they're going to give her an epidural, and they pulled the needle out. Hey, Hector, guess what happened to me? Passed out. And they said, I could hear him say, grab the husband. <laughs> I was going down. I thought, there ain't no way you're putting that thing in my back. <laughs> and the thing of it is, is that they were going to prick her only about this long. <laughs> I don't know how long that needle was. And I remember the thought going through my mind. I was like, Brother Mike, I was standing there like this. I was like, oh, no. And I was already tired. I, I said, no, it wasn't a needle. I'm just really sleepy. <laughs> they were like, no, you passed out. <laughs> And the thing of it is, is that this idea of pierce through, pierce through. So I want you to think about that this morning, and it's to sting to the quick. It's to agitate, the idea is. And those that heard the message responded because it pierced through them. It agitated them to the point that they said, I've got to make a decision. How many of you have gone to a car lot to buy a new car? Anybody in here ever go buy a new car? Raise your hands real high. Don't lie. Just hold them up real high. Amen. <laughs> We want to buy new cars, haven't we? When you go on the lot, think about this. What kind of pressure are they putting on you? It's decision time, amen? Now, what's it going to take for you to drive out of here today in this new vehicle? I said, free. He said, that ain't happening. I said, that ain't going to happen. He said, why did you show up? I said, I just want to see what it looked like. I just want to take it for a test drive. I just want to see if it was worth the, you know, uh, mortgage payment that you want me to make on it, Amen. You say, no, it's a car payment. No, they're like mortgage payments today, amen? And, 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 and what it is is that you go on to that lot and you're pulled in, are you not? And so you get in there and you're pulled in. You're going to come to a place of decision, and here's what they do. How much you got a month? Isn't that what they want to know? How many pizzas are you not going to eat this week so that you can make that car payment at the end of the month, right? And that you're not going on your family vacation because you've got to invest it into that vehicle that you're driving around in, Amen. And the thing of it is, is they bring you to a place, don't they? What do they do? Oh, man, doesn't that smell good? Oh, do you feel how that drives? Look at how the seat comforts you. And feel that steering wheel. It's ergonomically correct, you know? He's like, oh, you know? And you touch the gear shift, and you're like, oh, it feels so good. I mean, look at the power that this car has. Feel how it accelerates. Oh, it's got cruise control. I went up, and I looked at a car up at Ronnie Key Ford. I was up just taking my truck up, and the young man up there, Casey, he takes me in. And he shows me this Lincoln Continental black label. Now, if you've never seen a Lincoln Continental black label, 
I would venture to guess, unless you've got a uh, million dollars in your bank account, don't go look at a black label. He said, this thing does everything for you. In fact, when you say, you can walk up to it, it recognizes your voice, and you can say, door open, and the door will open. <laughs> Hello, this is Bob. Hi, Bob. <laughs> Would you like cream in your latte? <laughs> you know, you go and you sit down on that thing, and then it, he says, watch this. He said, it'll conform to your body. <laughs> I was like, oh, my goodness. Would you like a massage, Bob? <laughs> I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I can't believe this is in a vehicle. I'm thinking I'd be sitting there going like this. I hope it drives itself because it's getting a massage. you be going out. Would you like cool air on your neck or on your legs or on your feet or, you know, in your lower back? And, you know, we've got a lumbar thing here. I was like, good gracious. I mean, it'd be like sitting on the recliner at the house watching some TV. I thought, well, it's got this huge monitor in it. It's about that big. I can watch Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory while we're driving down the road. <laughs> and the thing of it is, is that they want to bring you to a place of decision, don't they? They start showing you all these things that it has to offer. And I tell you, Peter shared all that Christ has to offer to you and brought these people to a place of decision. They were pricked in their hearts. It pierced thoroughly through them. Let me give you some names. I want you to think about this. Conviction, conviction only comes by truth being preached, and Peter preached the truth. And it brought them to a point of having to make a choice. And I really began to think in the scriptures how many people had to come to a choice. Now here's why I share this with you, okay? If in fact I have to be baptized to go to heaven, then Jesus is a liar. If I have to be baptized to go to heaven, then Jesus is a liar. How many of you ready to call Jesus a liar today? Do you know how I know that can't be true? There was someone hanging on the cross beside him when he got hung on the cross, didn't he? And what did he say to him while he was hanging on that cross? The thief on the cross, and Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. <laughs> okay, so did he say, Now get down off the cross, and we're going to go baptize you so you can get back up on the cross and you can be with me in paradise today. Is that what he said? No. And you look at that passage of Scripture, and what does he say? The thief on the cross, he said, This day I say to thee, you shall be with me in paradise. Baptism doesn't take anybody to heaven. Baptism is just an sh outward show of a decision you already made. Amen? And then I thought about the Ethiopian eunuch, and here he is in Acts 8, 36 through 38. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What does hinder me to be baptized? The Ethiopian eunuch said, what's going to stop me from being baptized? What's going to stop me from being baptized is what the eunuch wanted to know. And Philip's speaking to him, and he makes this statement to him, and he says, and Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Why did he baptize him? Because he believed Jesus Christ was the Son of God. <laughs> he believed in Jesus. That's what the Scriptures teach. <laughs> you see, it was his belief in Jesus that caused him to go get baptized. He said, what's going to stop me? Nothing's going to stop you except for do you believe? <laughs> Otherwise, if you get baptized without believing, all you did was get wet. <laughs> and we need to know Christ as Savior. 
Cornelius, the centurion, in Acts 10, 44 through 48, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, and they uh, of the circumcision which believed were astonished, and as many came, uh, came with Peter, because uh, that the, on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. You know what that passage proves? That the day you get saved, the Holy Spirit moves in. The day you get saved, the Holy Spirit moves in. And when you get saved, you're no longer under your management, you're under new management. You're under the management of Jesus Christ. And when you come under the management of Jesus Christ, he said, now, now, you get baptized. Because you believe. You get baptized. And I thought about the Philippian jailer in Acts 16, 30 and 31 and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them to the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his house straightway. Why did he baptize that Philippian jailer and his household? Because they believed in Jesus. <laughs> That's why they did it. And because they believed. I thought about the woman at the well in John 4 and the madman of Gadarenus and I thought about Zacchaeus and uh, over in uh, Luke. And you look at all these various folks in the scriptures and listen, he said it doesn't matter if you're a prostitute, it doesn't matter if you're a madman, and it doesn't matter if you are a thief, Christ saves. Amen. Your social status does mean nothing to Christ. What matters is your soul and where it's going to spend eternity. And listen, we can spend a lifetime making money or we can spend our lifetime loving Christ and allowing him to take care of us. And then we can have a good testimony. In the vein of thinking there, this is not just knowing the story of the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but it's knowing and believing. You know, I could come in and hand you a soft shell message this morning. I don't want to do that. Because I don't think I'm being faithful to God when I do those kinds of things. And I could just hand you a soft cell message or I can tell you the truth of the Word of God that men must be saved through Jesus Christ. <laughs> and if they'll get saved, they'll see how God can turn their life around. As I look at this, head knowledge about Jesus doesn't take you to heaven. Religion doesn't take you to heaven. Baptism doesn't take you to heaven. Church membership doesn't take you to heaven. Communion doesn't take you to heaven. Understanding other religions doesn't take you to heaven. It is a personal decision that you make to trust what God said about His Son, Jesus Christ. And your faith and belief in Him in spirit and in truth and in faith and obedience is what takes your soul to heaven when you die. Men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? Those of you that are saved, listen, let's tell the truth about Jesus Christ. Those that are in here that have never trusted Christ, listen to me. Know where you're going to go if you were to part this earth. And you think, I've got all day, I've got my lifetime, I'm only this old, I'm only this many years, I've got all this time to spend, and I'm here to tell you, you know not when the moment is. <laughs> only God. When Sharon left that day, I never thought that I would not see Sharon in the flesh living again. I never had that thought cross my mind. But when she left that day, it was that afternoon, right after the church service, God took her home. And you say, I got a lot of time. 
I'm this old or I'm that old and I know I've got time. And I'm challenging you, we don't have as much as you think we do. (laughs) There must be a change of heart and mind. Verse 38, and I'll finish with this this morning. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, when the people had come to the place of decision, Peter then presented the only solution to their dire situation. My uh, daughter's car, she's got a Pontiac V6, and they, uh, she was driving to work the other night, and just boom. just shut off and so we get the tow truck to take it over they told me the car was dead it, it was done and she's like what am I going to do they wanted $3,100 to change the motor out in that thing and she's like well what am I going to do I said I don't know what are you going to do hey they're on their own now amen <laughs> oh what are you going to do <laughs> praise God it's not in my house right <laughs> You know, and, and I got to thinking about her situation, and her only solution is, is you got to take what money you do have and go buy another piece of junk, right? Am I right? Take the money you do have and go buy another piece of junk. Or you take the piece of junk that you have and you put something into it, it might be a lot less than the junk you're going to buy, and you might know then what all the problems are that you have with the junk that you per- currently own, amen? And you're not buying somebody else's junk. How many of you have ever felt that way when you bought a used car, Amen. Huh? And the thing of it is, I felt bad for her, and I said, man, this is a dire situation. So we got to talking. And she said, doesn't Mr. Lively know how to do that work? Uh Uh-oh. Sorry, Lori. And so the idea is, is we're going to take this motor out now, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's still sitting in my garage. Listen, they were lost in their trespasses and sin, and we find a word used, repent. This is a change of mind. It's a change of direction. I've shared that with you already. Then there is the next step, and that is to be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. This is a decision an individual makes, and not a decision someone makes for an individual. Can I help you understand that? This is a decision that an individual makes. This is not other individuals making a decision for them. My daughter had a decision to make. Certainly, I could make the decision for her, couldn't I? But I don't know her financial situation, and she now has to do what? Make the decision. Christ died on the cross at Calvary. And he said, listen, I've done all I can do. You have to make a choice now. You have to choose. At least you have to choose what you want to do. I can't choose for you. I can't impart my uh, self uh, upon her finances say you do this (laughs) she may not have the finances to do that and here's the thing when a parent makes a decision to baptize an infant that infant still is not saved and you say well what happens to him i believe god shows mercy and grace to that infant but if that infant grows up and tends to be seven eight nine ten years old by the way My Michael was three when he got saved. Connor was eight when he got saved. Emily was seven when she got saved. Amen. Elise was 12 when she got saved. I don't know what the age is. But I do know people come to a place of decision. And what it is is that he said, repent and be baptized. 
And so the only remedy for sin is to repent in the name of Christ and to be baptized as the Lord supplies you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Spirit now resides in the believer. And the Bible says when that Holy Ghost, the Comforter, uh, comes upon us, he'll bring all things to our remembrance whatsoever he has said unto you. And everything I'm sharing with you, God's just bringing to my remembrance what he said in the Scriptures. And he says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, What, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? If ye have of God and ye are not your own, for you've been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit which are God's. And in 2 Corinthians 1.22, who hath also sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. God said once we're saved, we're always saved. You don't get saved and get unsaved either. We're sealed until the day of redemption. We're sealed until the day he comes back to take us home. In Ephesians 1.13 and 4.30, in whom ye also trusted after that ye had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. And I'm here to tell you this morning, listen, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you are not living for God, and you're living for yourself, you are grieving the Spirit of God. The Bible's clear. And so I'm going to feed my flesh, even though I'm a saved person, that grieves the Spirit of the Lord. And he said, what, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Ye are not your own. You've been bought with a price. And he said, in that price that was paid, you now have a responsibility to glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. They don't belong to you anymore. Amen? So when I looked at the scriptures, he said, repent and be baptized. And we're sealed unto the day of redemption. You know, I thought about that. We're stamped, if you will, with the approval of Christ so that when he returns, you receive that spiritual body. We've got the seal of approval of Jesus Christ on us. And so my Savior, when he saves me, I'm sealed. I'm stamped. Now, I don't know about you, but um, I believe there's only one ketchup in the world. Amen. Amen. There's only one ketchup in the world. There isn't anything else. I don't care if they want to call it catsup or whatever they want to call it. But there's nothing like Heinz ketchup to me, hey amen? Now, you can put something else on the table, and you can ask my wife. I'll do a taste test for you, and I'll prove to you I can tell you whether it's Heinz or not. And, you know, when I go in, there's a stamp of approval on her. It says Heinz. And I believe what's inside that bottle, that stamp on the outside, proves to me that what's supposed to be on the inside of that bottle is not catsup. It's ketchup. And it's Heinz. <laughs> and you know, when I got saved, God put a seal of approval on me, and he said, Jesus Christ's son, boom. That's right. That's right. So whenever I come and I pray and I ask for forgiveness of my sins, he said, he's been approved. He has the seal on him. He belongs to me. I'm his advocate. Lord, I shed my blood for this one. Amen. If I stand here and I preach to you this morning and the rapture of the church occur today, boom, I got a stamp on me. Right. Heinz ketchup, no. <laughs> I got a stamp of approval on me. It says, I belong to Jesus, amen? amen? So whether I'm standing here in this physical body or where this body lie in the grave, it says that I belong to Jesus. And Jesus belongs to me. <laughs> and what I want to challenge you with this morning, men and brethren, 
What should we do? What should we do? If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior to take your soul to heaven, I want to tell you there's an opportunity to do so. We have men, we do an invitation here, and so when we do the invitation, we have ladies come play, and we'll stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And the invitation is a time where we reflect.